episode of MJ's Progress Not Perfection. Today's guest is Ellery. Ellery and I met really early on in my sobriety, and she was about six months sober into her sobriety. Um, we get into all that and a lot more. Um, we get into how relapse can be part of your story and how you can bounce back and learn things from it. So we're going to talk about all that and a lot more. Well, welcome to the show, Ellie. I appreciate, you know, you taking the time to sit down and talk. Of course, thank you. Sorry about last week. Uh, that's fine. It's been so long. I haven't seen you in like three years since I was yeah. in L.A. Yeah. So how much time do you have now? I forget in, what you um, on September 25th, um, I will have three years. Oh, wait. Yeah. Did- did you have a relapse after I left? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I, let's get into I, it. Yeah, I um, I stayed sober that first time, like ten months, and then what happened? Hi, sorry, my cats are all over the place. Um, and then what happened was that um, you know, I did the thing that like everybody does and stopped really like going to as many meetings and like started dating this dude that relapsed and then like, you know, got it into my head that it would be a good idea for me to smoke weed and that I would be fine. Like I was 20, you know, I'm like, Oh, I can just smoke weed and like plot twist surprisingly to everybody. I could not just smoke weed. Um, Wait, was that, you were dating, was it? Yeah. You relapsed too. Mm-hmm. And he, I don't know. I haven't talked to him in a long time. I, yeah. He said, I haven't talked to him in a long time, but, um, I only knew him from like you. So like, yeah, he, he relapsed and then I relapsed and then my whole relapse was only like maybe a few weeks, like four, I mean, five weeks, maybe, maybe six. Cause I went downhill, downhill real, real, real quick. Um, it was you smoked. And then you drank, and then I well, actually, I think I did drink first, but like honestly, within a week, I was like popping yeah. sands and doing blow, and then like within a few weeks, was like sticking needles in my arm and like living in Torrance with like a different dude. So like there was just I, but um, my parents did the best thing they ever could have done for me and kicked me out, like pretty soon into it I don't remember a lot of it but um it forced me to like get sober again real quick because I was really like out of options you know um I work in treatment now and I always tell people like the people who I see come into treatment over and over and over and over again are the people whose family will not hold boundaries with them and like who will continue to give them money and like bail them out and like send them back to treatment i was gonna say send them back to rehab mm-hmm. to the same rehabs mm-hmm. over and over definitely and those are the we have right now and it, it those are the people who i just see like and i get it totally like i can't imagine oh my god i can't imagine like what i put my parents through i can't imagine like having to i was so awful i was like screaming at them like you're ruining my life and i really can't imagine like what that would have been like for them and how hard it would be as a parent but it was the best thing they ever did for me was like holding that line. Um, yeah, I feel like that got you back faster because you realized you were losing everything again so fast. 
I was out of options. I mean, like I was 20 years old. I had no job, no money. I was like living with this dude who like was supporting us via like a job at Home Depot, which is like not enough money to sustain two people's drug habits, you know? Yeah. Um, and I just, I ran out of options really quickly. Um, and pretty immediately, like after I went back to detox, I was like, oh, okay, this isn't the right like, I'm not, I'm done, you know, like, I don't get to, I'm super clear that, like, I'm not a person who gets to, like, go in and out, like, that's not my story, because what happens is, like, when I go out, I go out, out very quickly, and, like, I didn't even bat an eye at fucking shooting up, which was something I was, like, never gonna do, right, and then, like, I truly didn't bat an eye at it. And so I was like, oh, okay. Like I'm the kind of alcoholic who's going to die very, very quickly. Um, you didn't shoot up in your previous addiction? Like, uh, no. no, we'll get there. Okay. So actually let's reset because now your family's in LA, but mm-hmm. you're from, you know, where I'm from, Philly yeah. area, right. originally the suburbs, right? No, I lived in Philly, Philly. Oh, okay. I lived in Mount Airy, which I guess kind of has a suburban feel to it, but it's in the city. My address lives in Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's not too far. I was right over the bridge right outside of Camden. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, but, and when, that's when you started, though. That's where you started. Yeah, for sure. It's funny, my, um, my roommate now, she's actually from outside Philadelphia, too. Um, the Jersey side or the Pennsylvania side? Pennsylvania. She okay. lived in Boylestown. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't know her from then. But um, yeah, when I was in high school, I, um, you know, it's like the thing where it's like I can remember from the time I was even really little, like before I even started using, like. Whenever I'm speaking at meetings, I always tell people, my mom will say, when I was really little, I always wanted to go on the tire swing really, really fast all the time, like longer than everybody else. And then I would get off and, you know, you're like all dizzy when you go on something super spinny. And then the second I stopped like being dizzy, I wanted to get right back on and like go spin again. And so I think I'm just personally of the belief that like I was born (laughs) this way, you know, like, so when I was in high school. Were I your parents like, drinkers or addicts or anything? Mm-mm. I mean, okay. they drank. Yeah, but no, um, but yeah, yeah, we all drank from that area. But I mean, like, they, but they weren't like alcoholics. They weren't like in the program where you saw. No, 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 no. Okay, no. that's what I was, okay. No, they, my dad was, like, my dad likes to party. Yeah. Um, But when I, when it, became clear like not in the way that like yeah there's a difference I did you yeah, know what I mean there's a difference I get um, it now they'll both like smoke weed but um that's really it my mom doesn't even drink anymore mm-hmm. um she just stopped because she said sometimes so it's so insane to me she just stopped she said sometimes it made her stomach hurt and so she just would rather not take the risk can you imagine that like 
sometimes drinking might make my might make me feel a little bit icky so i'm just not gonna drink she hasn't drank in like two years the fuck is that shit it's insane i can't even wrap my head around that i wish i could be a good enough reason to stop i know that would be cool because like my stomach hurting from pills oh my god i would have stopped day one i know so <laughs> they were uh normal yeah. um I, so like, but I always had really bad anxiety. So like in high school, I would have these like anxiety attacks and I would see a psychiatrist or so it's prescribed Ativan. And I started smoking weed and drinking. I smoked a lot of weed. I never really liked drinking. I didn't like the taste. Like I did because I'm an alcoholic, but I you like the I'm effects never, it produced more than the taste. Yeah, I didn't really like it. I didn't fuck with it. I didn't, it always made my stomach hurt. I didn't really early on in like, I think when I was a freshman, I went to this party and I was like somehow friends with this guy who was like a junior or something. He was having a party at his house. And so at first I was at this party with kids from my grade and I just chugged like all of this like, like whipped cream flavored vodka ew and was so obliterated then these like older guys came pick me up take me to their house and you know like they were good people and like really took care of me but I went to this party with all these upperclassmen and was just puking in the bathroom the entire time and like after that I never really fucked with like cheap vodka like even when I was in high school like I really liked drinking wine drink a lot of wine like i drink cheap wine but i drank a lot of wine um i would drink a lot of like ipas like i was always like a bougie drinker i was gonna say yeah <laughs> like like tequila i would drink absolute but i wouldn't drink cassers no 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 not. <laughs> i didn't love brown liquor i was a per i never would like if the only option of drinking was brown liquor i just wouldn't drink um hi stinky um and hey baby um but I, I really like smoking weed from the jump loved it smoked a lot i figured out pretty early on that like if i took an ativan i could drink a lot less and get equally fucked up have a good massage love you the cats want to be on the podcast too um sorry every time, every time like i'm on a laptop or my wife's on a laptop the cats are just all over it we had to buy a mini one for ten dollars on amazon it's a little cat one that looks like a macbook and Stop. they can see their faces in it now and that's all, all they're really trying to do is mirror you so yeah. yeah that's all they do now is like we have two cats scuba and diver and scuba just like knocks down the screen every time she sees her face and the reflection of it oh that's so cute but yeah. it's like ten dollars on amazon just type in like mini cat laptop mini cat pops, laptop i will it buy pops it right up yeah that's amazing it came in like two days it, you know they're all shit ready to go <laughs> that's so fun wow yeah, no, we have three they're kind of all over the place two are mine yeah. technically and one is my roommates but it's a lot of cats around here um is that Archie under there? 
anyway, so you were saying that you realized sorry. when you took an Ativan and you drank, you realized that you didn't need to drink as much because the Ativan gets you halfway there, basically. Right. And I really liked that. So, like, as time went on, I would steal, like, more pills from my mom and um, I would in retrospect, do really shady shit, right? But, like, I didn't think that it was a problem because I was able to manage this, like, double life pretty well in high school where, like, my mom worked at my school, and so I did really well in school. I was always really good at school. So I, like, got all A's and all these honors and AP classes and, like, won one of the biggest awards at graduation and, like, was able, was really the head of like seven clubs and was able to do the like this thing very easily um and i but and then like on the weekends or when i wasn't at school by the time i was a senior i was like hanging out with all these people who went to temple in north philly and like doing a whole but like buying xanax buying a whole bunch of coke like getting incredibly loaded. I remember like in retrospect, I can look back at it and see that like, it was absolutely a problem. My senior prom, I had this boyfriend who obviously I'd met because he was my drug dealer. And um, he, he went to prom and I had wanted him to get Coke and he didn't and he couldn't or something. And he, I was so mad at him the entire prom. I pouted, I screamed at him. It was awful. I had a terrible time. One time I found out he did coke in the bathroom with someone else and like in the men's room, right? Where like I wasn't there and I was livid at him. I wouldn't speak to him for the entire night. Meanwhile, this dude is like at my high school fucking prom. So like, that's not normal behavior. Yeah. I don't see that now. I didn't see that at the time. I thought because I could like, put on because I did well in school that it was fine and like my parents knew that I drank and they knew I smoked weed yeah, they knew we all did that you know I feel like it was okay yeah. you know yeah they didn't have a problem with it I mean they didn't love it you know of course they would yeah. prefer that I didn't but their stance was always kind of like we're not idiots we know you're gonna do it no matter what so either like you can do it and lie to us and we can have a really contentious relationship and like if god forbid something happens and you're stuck in the middle of nowhere and you don't have a, your ride home is drunk and something like you can either not have us as an option to call and like you know something really bad could happen or you can know that like you can call us and like you're gonna be you're not going to be in trouble. So that was always like their thing was like, they were like, we can. Are we you can... the oldest or the youngest or? No, I have one okay. little sister. Um, so they knew I did that, but they didn't know about all the other stuff in high school. So I got into this college in LA or it was, it's outside of LA. Um, that's like this really good school. I only applied there. I applied their early decision. The college counselor was like, you'll absolutely get in. Um, I went and visited and I had some friends that I'd known from like summer camp and stuff um, that went there. And so I just partied the whole time and had a great time. And I was like, great, this is where I'll go to school. Um, and then like, so I was going to come out here anyway. And then coincidentally, my mom got offered a really good job out here. And 
So my family moved here too. Um, I had to move here like, I was supposed to stay in Philly for the summer and I ended up not staying in Philly for the summer because what happened was like, we had gone to Wildwood and I got really drunk and then puked all over, please excuse them, um, puked all over my car on the way home and then had my boyfriend drop me off and I was like, you need to go get the car washed and also obviously you need to go get cocaine because I have to babysit in the morning and I'm not going to be able to do that without coke. So, um, like 30 seconds after he dropped me off, he like dropped me off. I lived like right off of Lincoln drive kind of. And, um, then he called me before I even got in the door of my house and was like, I told him to car and I'm bleeding. And he had gone, he had taken a turn too fast and gone like, you know, that part of Lincoln drive where there's like, uh, woods, like a hill woods on one side. And then like this stream or creek or whatever the fuck it is yeah 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 yeah. so we had gone like over the median and up into the woods into a tree please don't jump on my computer right now it's not the time um and the whole like passenger side of the car was ripped off he was okay thank god like he had to get some stitches but um the whole passenger side of the car was ripped off. All the cops were like, if you were in that car, there's absolutely no chance you would have survived. My parents were like, you can't live with this person for the summer. Like, he almost killed you. Um, and I thought they were ruining my life, of course. And, like, like fuck you guys, you know. Um, and, but, like, I didn't really have a choice. So then I moved here with, like, a couple days' notice. Um with them and I really don't remember a lot of like the first really year and a half that I lived here um all that I know is like I just got really loaded the whole time and like I dated drug more drug dealers and like I finished one semester of college I started two others that I didn't finish I got this like cannabinoid hypermesis syndrome where I smoked so much weed that I was puking all the time and the doctor like I I couldn't eat anything I was like losing weight I just I only I couldn't stop puking. yeah it's like you get these toxic levels of cannabis in your body and the doctor was like you have to stop smoking weed which obviously wasn't an option for me so then I started taking even more Xanax because I figured out that if I took enough Xanax I wouldn't puke from the weed and then also doing cocaine because I had to stay awake and live my life. Um, Would that have anything to do with the cannabinoids getting that high? Because like I've smoked a lot of weed, but I'm like a big dude. And if like you're on that much coke and not eating, you had to have been like skin and bones at that point. Yeah. Like, was but, like And with like no nutrition. So you think the yeah. cannabinoids had to have getting that high because you had nothing else in your system. I have like, no, I have no idea, honestly. Like, I, I don't. I, I heard you have to be like smoking your body weight, basically, for that shit to happen. Yeah. You know, so like, you know, I could see you being like, you know, skin and bones, like eighty pounds, soaking wet, and then smoking all this weed, and be like so dehydrated, you'd be like dying from between yeah. the weed and. I, yeah. Well, you know, I'm 5'10". 
Yeah. I think I weighed like 110 or something yeah, like okay, that. Okay, which is which still, was very for, thin for, for someone of my height. Yeah. Of course, I still like thought that I was fat, but that's besides the point. Um, I don't know why I got it. I was doing a lot of dabs. Okay. And taking a lot of edibles. I was, and so. Those and also, really highly concentrated. You pop a couple yeah. of edibles that are a thousand milligrams all of a sudden, especially in LA. It's not like it's the Pennsylvania fucking no, 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 no. shit out of here. I was like drinking like these lemonades that were like 3000 milligrams of THC. Like. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that makes more sense. All the time. That makes a lot more sense than just like smoking a lot of blunts. Yeah. You know. I mean, I did smoke a lot of blunts, but that was like the baseline. You yeah, know? that's just to keep you there. But you know, like, that wasn't the goal. The goal yeah. was like, and so, and um. Yeah, you definitely can't smoke weed in sobriety. No. You can't, you can't be galley no. sober. No. No. <laughs> so, then I just started taking more and more. I really don't, honestly, it's like, I really don't remember a lot of it. I know like what happened was like at the end, like I had started smoking meth. Um, how did you get introduced from, you know, blow, you, I, I assume you're blowing Coke. Yeah. So how, do you, how do you go from like blowing lines to be like, yeah, I'll smoke some meth. Like, is there a I don't care, I'll do whatever is offered to me. Okay. So you were with somebody that had it and it was like, mm-hmm. Hey, mm-hmm. look at this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's more or less what I meant. Okay. Yeah. Whatever I, whatever crosses my path, like I'll do, I don't care. Um, yeah, I always say more, I was addicted to more. Yeah. Like if it had crossed my path sooner, I would have done it sooner. You know, That's I didn't. True. Um, so then it was like another drug dealer boyfriend. Um, and so then by the end I was like smoking heroin, smoking meth taking like, you know, 20 to 30 milligrams of Xanax a day, drinking daily, smoking weed all day, every day, also doing hundreds of whippets a day. Um, Holy, can we just pause for a second? Holy <laughs> shit. Like yeah. the 20 to 30 milligrams of Xanax a day. Um, how bad was, was your detox? Like, it wasn't good, no. It okay, was we'll get there, for like two weeks. Yeah, because like you could have fucking died. Yeah, I know. I'm sure they told you that. That's for people that don't know that that are watching that much Xanax and detoxing is a death sentence. Any 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 like amount of benzos I mean, and it's drinking. It's easy to do. It's so it's so easy to eat thirty milligrams or blow thirty milligrams of bars in a day because you just they go down so easy. Well, especially when you're doing methamphetamine and yeah. you're awake, you're not yeah. going to pass out. That's the thing. Like a lot of people can't take that much sand. Well, also, you know, at that point, it's like years of a tolerance built up, right? Because like Advance yeah. and Benzo builds up your same tolerance. Yeah. So most people, they, they take a bar or two and they're just like out cold for 14 hours. Right. Just dead. Right. So I had a, but... to- a, big, a tolerance and then also was doing meth. So yeah. like you're not gonna fall asleep i wasn't gonna fall asleep you know like i just kept taking it so if i wasn't asleep then i could just keep taking it what happened at the end of that run of 20 to 30 milligrams a day and the meth and everything what where where did that run end so like the dude i was with who was like getting all these things from 
was like, I don't want to be with you. I can't ruin your life. You're like, I'm watching you die. Can't do that. We got in this huge fight. It was like throwing things at each other in an alley. Then I started like kind of living with this girl and like, um, I was supposed to be at college. I was enrolled in college and every day I would be like, I'm going to go to college, right? Like I'm going to go back to school, but like, I couldn't get myself back there. I would just be like smoking meth in Santa Monica and um Were you supposed to be living on campus yeah i had okay. a i had an apartment there or i lived in like a commune house it's yeah. like a real hippie school um my parents have my location i don't even essentially like the end of the semester was coming up and in my mind what happened is like i knew i was gonna get in trouble because I knew they were going to find out I hadn't been going to this school that they were paying $60,000 a year for me to go to. And I didn't want to get like yelled at. And then also this girl that I had been living with had been like in and out of the room. It still is, I'm pretty sure. But like had been in and out of AA for a while. I was like, we need to get sober. And um, what my mom says, because again, like I really don't remember the thing is, like, that whole, really the whole, like, two years before I got sober, even times when, like, I individually at that moment was not loaded, I really don't remember, like, anything, mostly, from that, like, whole two-year period. Just because, like, by the time I got sober, I was 19, so, like, my brain was still developing. I was doing so much Xanax and, like, so much just everything, even in periods where I wasn't, like, that loaded at that moment. Um I just don't remember anything. And like, I have almost three years sober. I still don't remember like a lot of stuff. My mom was still telling me that. Yeah, and actually has a way of wiping her memory. Yeah, so I don't, my mom said I turned in some essay that was like pages long of just gibberish, like not even sentences. And then somehow my, my professor got like my therapist number or something and sent it to my therapist. I don't know. I don't remember. Um, but essentially like I, t I told my therapist and then we told my parents and they were like, you have to go to rehab. And I was like, fine, whatever. I just thought I'd like take a quick little like tolerance break. Um, and then they sent me to Betty Ford in Palm Springs. And I was there for like a couple days and then I didn't want to be there. So I called my dad and was like, you don't pick me up. I'm going to like find my way back to LA and sell myself on the streets. So he picked me up, dropped me off at another rehab. I stayed I liked it better. I stayed there for like, like nine or 10 days. And then I was still detoxing and I was like, fuck this shit. I made up some whole fucking excuse that I believed at the time. Right. Like in retrospect, I can see all these things with a lot more clarity, but at the time, like I believed I didn't have a problem. I believed everybody was being dramatic. I believed that I was justified in leaving this rehab because one staff member had said one thing to me that I didn't love. You know, and that they wouldn't let this girl who was, like, on heroin come visit me. And that was rude. Um, so I left, ran away, and then I... Was, was that New Start? Did you ever go to New Start? No, no, no. It was ARC. Oh, okay. Um, and as soon as I left, I knew I made a mistake. Um, and so I was only gone for like 24 or 48 hours or something. I was like in contact with them the whole time. I just smoked weed the whole time I was gone because I knew I needed to go back. So they took me back. Um, it was terrible. I left. I went. This girl was in psychosis. Like 
So this is not it, you know, like this is not what I want. <laughs> this is, yeah. um, there's not evil spirits in the bong. Um, I'm just trying to get loaded. Um, I don't know, I saw the writing on the wall, moment of clarity, whatever you want to call it. Um, and so I went back and then I met like this girl who's like my best friend to this day. Um, and we were roommates and she had been in and out of treatment for a long time. And she really helped me a lot, like stay sober and come to terms with it all. And we went to meetings and I did outpatient and I went to sober living. And that's when you met me, I think when I had maybe six months or so. I think so. I could have, yeah, I could have swore. I remember you were coming up like on 10 months or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that was like right before I got loaded. So that make, I left at the end of July, early August. Like the last time I've ever seen I got, you. Because 4th of July, I was sober, but I was doing such shit. Like I was taking way more gab. Like I was like trying to snort my gabapentin or something ridiculous like that. You know, like not even, it doesn't even do anything. And like no. rolling tobacco cigarettes for no reason. I uh, think the last time I saw you was outside of West Hollywood Recovery Center. I, I was like leaving something there. And oh yeah, that was right around when like, Demi Lovato overdosed. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. And that was the last time I was actually there. And because yeah. I, I left suddenly. I didn't leave like planned leaving. You know what I mean? Like like we had a death in the family basically. And I was like, all right, I gotta go. Yeah. You know, I'm good. You know, I'm, I'm you know, I'm working a program. I'm gonna continue the program. I need to be with my family. So mm-hmm. I came back. And I, mm-hmm. you know, I can I ended up took me a little bit to, you know. I ended up not even working out with AA here. So, you know, yeah, it is, it is what it is. AA is not the same in Pennsylvania as it is, you know, mm-hmm. out in California, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, so, I mean, we should recover here. We're lucky. Yeah, and I'm not in a city or anything either. Like, I'm up in Bloomsburg. I don't even know where that is. It's like up by the Poconos, kind of. Oh, so you're in the boondocks. Yeah. Got yeah. it. Yeah. Like, meth is everywhere around us. Mm-hmm. like that's the drug of choice around here is like yeah. my sponsee has is like three just said three months clean for meth for the first time since he was 14 and he's 31 yeah so yeah <laughs> so yeah so this this time rehab is working you met somebody that you're friends with so it's actually fun right so then i stayed sober for like i did the program and then i stopped essentially you know like i just kind of stopped doing the things i needed to do and um did you have a sponsor when I met you? Like that first 10 months? Yeah, I, going? I didn't really call her that much. And I kind of stopped doing my step work and I kind of stopped really going to meetings as much and um, started doing like more sus shit. Like I would take pre-workout to like work at the jewelry store. Um, and was depressed and like just when it was when when there was weed in front of me I just was without defense it's just like it says in the big book like I was without defense against the first drink um I just didn't I like vague it's the same thing that says in the big book I vaguely sensed I was doing something that wasn't all that right but I didn't have anything to stop me so then I relapsed went over that didn't last very long didn't go well threw everything away immediately, lost my entire fucking everything, went back to detox and then was like, 
pretty immediately was like, okay, I learned my lesson. I can't do this in any capacity. Like I can't, no, it just doesn't. I have to be completely sober and that's it. Like, um, and so I went to the same rehab I'd gone to before. They knew me. They were like, look, you don't have to do residential if you commit to going to outpatient for a year and sober living for at least three months. It's like, okay. Um, I. Cause this detox wasn't that bad for probably a couple of days. I mean, it, it wasn't pleasant, but it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't, terrible. you know, a two, three year run worth of where you were before yeah. either. You know, this was five weeks of going down fast, but still like, yeah more manageable when you get into detox yeah exactly so um i went to sober living i ended up being in sober living for nine months um and doing outpatient for nine or ten months too that ownership of the treatment center shit changed during that time um the people who had been running it before and like most of their clinical team um, left and opened a different place, which is actually where I work now. Oh, okay. Um, and I just like, I did things differently than I had done the first time. And I, I really, I stuck with women was a huge thing for me. I never really had female friends. Like I didn't like women. I was terrified of them. I went to this all girls school growing up. Like I hated women. And this time around, like I surrounded myself in every capacity, like as friends, true, too, with women who, I mean, it took me a little bit to learn the lesson, right? Like there was all this drama in my first sober living. And it was, I was, Pretty. the other girls were shitty like I learned this lesson pretty early on right because I'd been friends with these girls in the sober living and then they kind of started being mean to me and I was by no means perfect in that capacity you know like I was also shitty and mm-hmm. but it was terrible and I wanted to get loaded and like I had friends at the time who like weren't at that sober living like once I'd gotten in these fights with these girls and um I had friends who would like pick me up and just sit with me in their car for and fucking until curfew because I just wanted to get loaded and they would just be like no that's not an option and they would just like hold me hostage until I had to go home Bobby I can't talk to you right now um and um what happened was like all these girls who I had been living with in the same room and then I had moved because of all this drama. Um, they all ended up getting loaded together in that room. They were all like one night came out, they all shot up. And, um, or at least like three of them. And again, it was like another moment of clarity where it was like, I had like two months sober at the time. And I was like, if I had, that was God doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. Because mm-hmm. I would like to say that I wouldn't have gotten loaded. But, like, I'm a junkie. And if it was in front of me and I had 60 days sober, like, I probably would have gotten loaded. You know? Like, I would like to think that I wouldn't. But, like, I probably would have. 
60 is a lot closer than zero than 10 months. It's a lot easier to reset right. than 60. I get it. So I was like, okay, cool. That was God doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. Um, and in that also, in that first three months, I was at that one. So living like, I wanted to leave. There was all this shit happening. I, I desperately wanted to leave. I desperately thought that like I was, would have been justified in leaving. Like all of these things. Um, but what I did that was different than the first time was I just took direction. And so like all of the people around me who I trusted, my case manager at IOP, like were just like, no, just stick it out. Like just stick it out one more week. Just stick it out one more week. Just stick it out one more week. And then that happened with the them getting loaded. And I ended up after the three months were up there going to a different sober living where I had a different experience. And, uh, but I took direction and it paid off. Right. Um, it's funny how that works. Mm -hmm. And I learned not to trust my own thinking. I learned not to trust my own gut. My best thinking had gotten me there. I could not trust myself. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I'm a gnarly addict and a gnarly alcoholic. And also I was 20 this time. No, no, no shit. You know? Um, so I went to this new sober living and I just kind of made more friends with the staff than I did the other clients there because I was like, my friends are the people that I'm talking to all the time. And if I, my friends are the people I'm talking to all the time. Like I talk, I can call my sponsor and stuff, but my friends are the people who like I'm reg always yeah. with. So if my friends, have just as much time sober as me. So also are just as ignorant as me also are making poor, like inclined to make poor decisions. Like I am, they're not going to hold me accountable. I'm not going to get better. So I found a whole bunch of women who I looked up to not just in the way that they were in AA, not just in the way that they showed up in the rooms, but the way that they showed up in their lives, the way they showed up at their jobs, the way they showed up. I found women who walked through the world as sober women of Alcoholics Anonymous in a way that I aspired to be like. And if I wanted those women to respect me and to take me seriously as like a friend, not as a client or not as just like a newcomer, I had to behave in a way that those people, those women would respect, right? And so yeah. like, I'm not saying I was perfect. I did lots of fucked up shit. Like I made lots of mistakes. And I didn't get loaded no matter what. I didn't drink or use no matter what. And I had people around me who held me accountable all the time and who called me out on my bullshit. And when I was being a fucker, would call me on it. When I was like, being indignant or behaving poorly would call me on it. Um, and eventually like, and I went to meetings pretty much every single day with the exception of like a day or two here and there, right? Like pretty much every single day for my first 10 months, almost year of sobriety. I went to meetings every single day. The old um, that you still go to there. 
I didn't. Well, I moved to the east side for a bit, so okay. I, I stopped. I live more closer to the or closer closest to West Hollywood now, but um. So I didn't really go to. I secretary a meeting for the first like. I got this secretaryship by a fluke when I had two months sober. It was like a co-secretary thing, and um, they just needed they wanted a girl to be involved in some capacity, and because there hadn't been a female secretary in a while, and nobody, no other women wanted to do it. And um, by the end, the guy kind of moved away, so the other secretary. So I kind of did it, but that was super helpful. It held me really accountable. It forced me to. Um, go up to speakers at meetings and get their numbers, right? And like go up to people I didn't, I maybe not, wouldn't have otherwise gone up to and like get their numbers because I needed them to speak for me and um, build a lot of relationships that I might not have otherwise built and get really comfortable like talking to people in AA. Um, and- I feel like I spoke at one of your meetings when you were secretary at 26 and Broad. Now that I think about it, I just had like a flashback of. Was I secretary of 26 and Broadway ever? I think on a Thursday. I, that's when, or was it a Thursday or a Tuesday? It was a weekday. And I, I remember you used to text me. You'd be like, hey, I'm running late. Can you get find me somebody to re- do the readings? Because you knew I was going to be there. Really? Yeah. I, now I definitely remember because like I would be there usually with Jace. And... I believe you. <laughs> I don't like my memories. I my memories fucked. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, <laughs> but now um, I just I forgot all about it until you just said that. Yeah, that that's so funny. Well, this time I was the secretary of Marina Center. Okay. I did that, and I got a commitment at another meeting. And which at what, the, which one at Marina? I'm curious. It was at um. Oh, it was the Monday night Marina Center, the 7:30. The big. Uh, oh, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All the rehab show up to that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Served my ego nicely too, you know. Yeah. Um, get up in front of a room. Every once in a while, we get clients at work who like, like I know you from the Marina Center, and I'm like, um. And I miss, then I, I miss their late nights. Yeah. They were my favorite. Mm-hmm. And um. So I did that. I got a secretary. I mean, I got a commitment at See You Next Tuesday at the West Hollywood Recovery Center. It's still the um, name. Mm-hmm. I've been secretary. I'm actually speaking there tonight because I was just secretary of that meeting for a year. That was the last time I saw you was See You Next Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't know, that's the name of a meeting in West Hollywood where you're not calling each other anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. I went to, so yeah, I just, I just finished this year long, actually, yes, it was a little more than a year, a year long co-secretaryship of that meeting. So I'm speaking there tonight. Um, so I'm going to do a lot of talking about myself today. I had therapy before this. So we're just really digging in a lot of narcissism today. Um, for me, but at least it's uh, not your three year yet. Wait, when's your three year again? The 25th? 25th. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. I... I'm going to release this episode on the 25th then. That's okay. nice of you. Yeah. So I try to do, I have somebody else that's the 22nd, and then I'm doing my birthday, it's the 29th. Not my, it's my belly button birthday, but 
that's like what I'm going to have. I already recorded mine last week, but that's what I'm going to put that episode out. So I've been trying to do shit like that for people. Yeah. Like, like one girl got off probation on the 7th federal probation so i put her episode up that day to celebrate it and shit like that so yeah there's been a lot this month (laughs) there's been also a lot of like you know stories i'm just like you know like you know where i'm there was a dude that he was like yeah so i was a drug addict from five to fifty and i was like Mm -hmm. five and i was he was like yeah that's what happens when your aunt and stepdad drug you up for five years so they can molest you and I was like, oh, okay, so this is going to be one of those interviews. All right, let's strap mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. All right, that's, you know, there was a girl down to 70 pounds being sex trafficked for five years that I talked to. But now she goes into those um, courts and takes girls out of there that she yeah. identifies as they're trafficked. And she gets them into a program that she got in. So all the stories have, like, silver linings. You know, and good, except for that dude, five to 50, he's at 10% heart function. He's on his way out. I thought he died because he wasn't opening my message for four days. And I was a nervous wreck that he got done his interview and then he died. And then he added me on Facebook and I was like, oh, thank fucking God. He's still alive. I was so nervous. (laughs) I was was telling my wife, I was like, Foster still hasn't answered. And I'm getting really nervous because like he wanted to watch this one interview and he hasn't opened it. And he watches Zooms till 2 a.m. So what's going on? I am nervous. And then oh. I was relieved. Yeah. So like they've yeah. been intense. So like, but there's also the fun ones, like the people I know that I'm catching up with, like people like you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, um, speaking of, you know, positive role models with women in LA area, like Devin, her interview mm-hmm. is so funny. Really? <laughs> but, Good. Yeah. I'll watch it. Yeah. My brother mm-hmm. said it's his favorite interview to watch, you know, because like mm-hmm. all she does is like say fucking bro every other word. You know, (laughs) it's like one of those. For sure. But there's Mm -hmm. also good speakers I had on here, like um, Richie, Richie Mm -hmm. Blair. He did an episode with me. So, and he is like one of the best speakers that I've seen, like any meeting period. You could ask, uh, if you were looking for people, I bet my my roommate has like five years sober. She's a good speaker. And I think you might like talking to her because she's from Doylestown. Do I know your roommate? Was Probably she, not. Did she go I'm, around like maybe she was more around West Hollywood. She's always been in like WeHo AA. Lisa Clark. No, okay. But yeah, I'd be down. Yeah, I still have literally two more days that I need to fill for the rest of the month. Yeah. Like, I'll put a massage right now, but if if you would want, I'm happy to. I'm sure she'd yeah. be happy to do shoot it all. Now her. that we don't have to do messaging, just shoot me a text. Turns out yeah. I had your number the entire time from before. I know. Me too. Like, like my, my um, JD pop up on your end, like oh yeah, shit, I had his number. Yep. It's like I'm an idiot. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I I think you'd like talking to her because it's always you know kind of good to talk to people from, and she has the like Pennsylvania East Coast vibe yeah, thing yeah. that like we like. Um, she say water at least. Yeah, she says water oh, okay, way yeah. more than I do. She she doesn't have a gnarly accent, but she has much more of one than I do. And it comes out when she's talking to other people who have an accent, like her mom or something. Yeah, that's what it always is when you start talking fast and then you don't realize and then you're like, no, they can understand me though. Like I always got to mm-hmm. slow down with my wife, you know, because she's from like Northeastern PA, like the last exit, yeah. you know? So it's like, Ooh. I have to slow down all the time. Yeah. And you know, I, I can say water. I just choose not to. <laughs> I choose to say Lisa water. Says, Lisa always says water. I want you uh, to know where I'm from. I want you to go there. He said water. You know, water. Yeah. <laughs> I'm such an asshole like that. 
That's like part of my that's like part of my spitefulness in step six that I don't want to drop is the fun part of being spiteful. Yeah. And that's what I was trying to explain to my therapist and my sponsor at the time was I can have fun with spite. Yeah. You know, like I just mandated masks at our meeting center only because I saw one of our regulars kept posting anti-vax shit on Facebook. So I spitefully mandated masks yeah. for everybody, whether you're vaxxed or not, because wow. yeah. well, my I wife has that's MS. a smart thing to do anyway, you know. My wife my wife has MS. So like if she gets vaccinated, it doesn't matter. Like she can still get really sick because the vaccine doesn't do anything with her immune system now. Yeah. With MS and the meds, like it, it doesn't touch it. So I have to be safe for her. So yeah. and plus take your anti-vax bullshit away from me. I don't want to talk to you about it on Facebook. No, sure. Stop no, posting weird not. shit. I just um, don't follow everybody who's like that on Facebook. I can't deal with it. Ow! Oh Stop my writing. god. What is is that him or is that a him? Him. This is Vinny. Vinny? Terror. He's like six months old right now, so he's like really in the like gnarly. Yeah. Stage. Was he just biting your face? Yeah. Vinny. He doesn't bite me hard. It's like love bites, yeah, you know? It's like, like hey, I'm here. Mm-hmm. It's like, He's like, pay attention. hello, pay attention to me. I see that you're not looking at me, and that's really obnoxious of you. It's like he'll he does it a lot. It's so fucking annoying, dude. <laughs> he, um, he purrs, so I know he's not trying to hurt me. Like, he'll come up and crawl up on me while he's purring and bite at me. And I'm like, dude, cut it out. It's like a... I l- I've looked it up. It's like a love thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, um, our cats are adopted. So they're, it took them two weeks just to even leave their hiding spots to even try mm-hmm. to get close to us. Yeah. He's so. adopted and he is, he's very outgoing. He's like a dog. Like he yeah. wants to hang out with everybody, but he's just like a terror right now. He's so energetic. Hello, stop it. Hey, buddy. And the hey, other buddy. cats like don't want to. Archie, my other one, she's like two and she'll play with him. But Oliver, the other cat, does not want to. Like, look, this is Oliver right now. Hold on, I'll show you. That's Oliver right now. <laughs> and he'll oh stay hot for most of the day. That is amazing. Yeah. So I, just was- fa- I just found my clip for this episode. <laughs> yeah. But he doesn't want to play with Vinny. He loves this podcast. He is so truly that's how he will be all day. Look, Vinny's he's like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Get away from me. He's like, fuck you. I'm trying to (laughs) big him watching making sure he goes away. He's like, yeah, you keep walking, bitch. Mm -hmm. He's so big too. (laughs) Oh my God, that's hilarious. Thank you you so much, Ellery. (laughs) Sitting down and talking. Like I'm so happy that like you got right back in because like you know how it is, you know, you guys are like my recovery network from like when I got sober. Mm-hmm. So, but it was hard for me to keep tabs. And also like, I'm not the kind of person it's like, hey, you still like clean, right? You still so, like, I, I got assumptions. I see people that like I hung out with a lot and then they start posting stuff that's like, uh, you know, like. Yeah. And you I can tell from people's Instagram stories. You can that's what it is. Yes. Yeah, like the people, because it's like I'll still post on my stories if it's one like it was my boyfriend's fucking four years the other day, and like I can post that, and then people know. Like, yeah, when I see you on the beach and your girlfriend has a white claw, and I haven't seen you post anything recovery based in a while, like, yeah, you know, there's there's been a few people that I've seen, and it's like, oh, you don't look good. I feel bad. Like yeah. I can't say shit. Like, no. you know, 
that I know from like, you know, I'm just like, hopefully you find your way back in there again, you know? There's and nothing you can do. If anything, if like. All we can do is be an example of what they could have again. Yeah. And like, if working in treatment truly has taught me anything, it's like to just detach with love, like honest to God, my assumption most of the time is that like most of my clients are going to get loaded again. And like, that's a sad thing to say, but it's just true. It's based in fact, like every once in a while we have someone who I'm like, that person's going to stay sober, but most of the time, and that doesn't mean that I'm any different with them. It doesn't mean that I don't like try my very hardest to like support them and help them. Like, and sometimes they surprise me. Sometimes they do stay sober the whole time, but do you take them to meetings and stuff? Do you go out to meetings with them? We do, yeah. I work in the mornings now, so I don't I don't anymore because they go at night. Um when I when I used to work at nights, I would take them to meet they do take them to meetings. Um now would you see the ones that were there just like not paying attention and only there to like, you know, or could you when did you start spotting that though? Because you know the ones from like rehabs where like you know they don't give a shit about what's happening up front and they're disrupting yeah. the rest of the group. There's some people like that, but it's honestly not even like, and there's, it's more, it's much more nuanced than that for me. It's not even like blatant shit like that, but it's stuff where it's like, that person's not entirely willing. Like they're not willing to go to sober living if they're directed to go to sober living or like tiny little things that give it away and honestly sometimes it's not even that it's just like truly like my baseline expectation is that people are not going to get loaded and like some that's part of my own defects and like it's a little bit of a self like protective mechanism right of like I can't get attached I can't talk to them when they leave so like I don't want to get attached to them and also like people got dude like I know fucking not just one of them was a client but the other two weren't but in the past couple months like I know three people that have died and so like that's another reason that I always just kind of surrounded myself with people who like had more time than me knew better than me were gonna hold me fucking accountable because like those honestly those people are less likely to die and Like today I have all of these amazing relationships with like these other really strong women, which is crazy. Most of my friends are women, like by far most of them. I don't really hang out with them. You guys, not even cause I don't like them. Like I do have guy friends, but just like, that was never the case for me. I work on a peer level pretty much with all of these people who like, saved my life and got me sober and like am friends with some of the clinical people that I work with in a capacity that like when they're having a hard time I'm one of the people that they call to talk about it and to go to meetings with and that is fucking insane that is fucking insane and like that is just from a hundred like I went from them trying to convince me to not run away from rehab when I was 19 years old to them like trusting me counting on me relying on me and like 
that is a hundred percent a miracle. Like that's just a miracle. I have this wonderful relationship with my family. Like they trust me, they count on me, they rely on me. Like I show up for them. I have this. I wouldn't call it a miracle. You're selling yourself short of all the hard work you had to put in to even gain that trust and everything. Sure, of course. And it's got like I didn't do it on my own. I could not have done it on my own. Like <clears throat> you shouldn't do it on your own. I really was, especially in that first year, like carried by the people around me. Um, I have this like great and healthy relationship. I have this boyfriend who like I was friends with for years before we got together and who respects me and treats me well and like takes care of me and who I feel completely like safe and comfortable to be entirely myself with and who I like makes me want to be a better person and that's a miracle you know like that was never I've had plenty of fucking relationships in my life even in sobriety that have been like incredibly toxic and incredibly messed up and like and where I behave terribly too. Um, that was always one of the areas in which like, even through sobriety, I acted, I used to act out in, right? It was like with men in relationships. And um, so the fact that like, I have this like wonderful person now as a partner is insane. Like all of it is fucking insane. And even when like I've been having kind of a hard time recently I started going back to school which was like a really nerve-wracking thing for me um I was always like really it's just like weirdly I don't like I hate the word triggering but like it's always just like triggering and I've just always been really resistant to it and like I was able through the like support of like my co-workers and my friends to like sign up to go back to school and like work has been hard recently and I have these like issues with my back that I've been working on and there's all this stuff going on um and through all of that like there has not been a moment where I've been where I've a thought that it was not going to be okay eventually like even when it fucking sucks I know that universally I'm gonna be okay or where like I thought that getting loaded was a solution that's just not on the table for me anymore um and I'm super grateful for that I'm all, I'm super grateful are you kidding me because <laughs> <laughs> it is not easy but mm -hmm. it is definitely not easy mm -hmm. um, all right thank you so much it was no so good problem. to see you you too. Have a good day. You See too. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.